You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome to The Strong Room, presented by Macmillan Estate Planning. I'm Herb Hamm. On the program today, a story about growing hope. Someone has described hope as a seed that's planted in our hearts to remind us that there are better things ahead. Our special guests on the program today are Ralph and Glenda Dubienski, who devote much of their time and energy to bringing hope to young people in Ethiopia and Rwanda. They helped co-found Hope Ethiopia in following their vision and passion to help orphan children reach their potential. Ralph and Glenda, who live in Calgary, travel often to Ethiopia and Rwanda as part of their life's mission. Last week, I had the chance to sit down with them in studio here at News Talk 770. Their faces were literally beaming with joy as they shared stories of the hope that is growing in young hearts and minds. Ralph's first story was about a dream that had just come true. A dream that started eight years ago when he was sharing his vision with then-president Gurma of Ethiopia. And I said to him, you know, one of, the, uh, one of the greatest resources we believe that is resident in your country are the four and a half million orphans. Because within those orphans, I see the next President Gurma. I see the next uh, uh, Mother Teresa. I see the next Einstein. I see the next Apostle Paul. I see the next engineers and teachers and professionals and house mothers. You know, they're all waiting there, waiting to have their God-given potential released. And I was, and I really believed it. I was really passionate about that. And I think Glenda and I have been extremely passionate about that potential that is resident within inside everybody, no matter where we go. It could be downtown Calgary. It could be in the jungles of Thailand, places that we've kind of toured to. But here, this was Ethiopia. So since that time, we have been doing many, many things, building children's senior villages, doing different reforestation projects, doing agriculture and environmental type of things, doing healthcare projects. But one of our, the, the key core things is investing in these orphan children mm-hmm. who are no longer orphan, they're part of now families, they have house mothers and they're living homes with, with house mothers. And you see the dramatic change that happens. In so, such a short time. In such a, un- unbelievable, mm-hmm. a short period of time. So I was waiting for this moment that one day they would, we would take these kids that I talked about with President Gurma in 2008, uh, we would actually take them back t- to meet him. So this, about two weeks ago, I took this group of all of our sponsored, ch- all of our orphan children in the, in the children's village and their house mothers into Addis Ababa. So we're talking going from an extremely rural environment where there are mud huts. These kids have never seen a two-story building. They've never seen an asphalt road. They've never seen traffic. They've never seen a traffic light. They've never seen a skyscraper, a metro. They've never seen a supermarket or a coffee shop. Like zero. Most of them have never seen even like a TV set or anything. And so I am now taking them into Addis, Abba. That's the main capital city of Ethiopia of millions of people for the very first time. And so the first place that we're stopping was with President Gurma. 
So eight years before, I had this dream, and now it was coming to reality. So here we were meeting with them, and one of the little kids, his name is Melissa, he said about a few years ago, about four years ago, I, when we'd ask him, what's your favorite color? What is your favorite food? What would you like to be when you grow up? And so this is a three-year-old kid. He said, when I grow up, I want to be the next president of Ethiopia. And so here I'm hearing what I had said to President Gurma in 2008. So at this meeting, here I am introducing Mr. Former President with Mr. Future President. And they're talking and shaking hands and discussing life. And the kids sang some songs, passed him some uh, books for his children's library. And it was one of those moments where, you know, what fuels kind of your passion well, here was a dream that at one point in time was maybe kind of written in, in your mind, maybe written in a project proposal about, you know, p- the potential of orphan children. But, you know, this is now reality. This mm-hmm. is happening. And, um, you know, so it was one of those things that, you know, like, like wow. It's fine. But it took eight years. You had to be patient. Do it right. Don't take shortcuts. And to see it happen. It was just, you know, one of those astounding moments. So great moment of joy for me. For Glenda, the story of a young man named Frank has taken an unforgettable turn. He lived in what we call Hope Home in Rwanda in a place called Gahanga in Rwanda, in just outside um, Kigali. And um, he's a young man who graduated from the, um, from the federally run rehabilitation vocational skills training program. Um, and once they graduate from that program, they are then sent off, given transport money back to their home for reintegration. Well, there's a large percentage of those young men that go through that program who um, are actually homeless and were picked up from the streets and then taken to the rehab program and so on. So reintegration back into street life is not, is not going to work very well you know, for a, for a recovered addict. And so we invite these young men to come and live in our home. And so this young man was, um, was in our second group of students that we received from the government program. And um, he did very well. He was able to stay clean and sober. He got a job. He has his own place that he rents. And he has regular employment. He works with one of the other, with one of the other students. And they've done very, very well. And uh, they have actually chosen to rent a home right close to our Hope Home, which means, which is actually very common for many of them. They like to stay in contact. And one day um, in, it was just in September, the end of September, Frank came to me and he said, um, he said, Mama, I have something to tell you. And uh, you never sort of know what that's going to be when one of those guys starts with, Mama, I have something to tell you. And, um, and I said, oh, well, what's going on? Well, you see, I was at church on Sunday, and this woman came up to me and said, are you an orphan? And he said, yes, I am. And she says, I don't think so. And he said, no, I'm pretty sure I'm an orphan. And she said, no, I think you have a mother in Canada. So Frank's immediate thought was, oh, she's talking about Glenda. And he goes, well, I do have a mama who comes from Canada. And she goes, no, I think your mother lives in Montreal. And he says, what do you mean, Montreal? 
And she said, I think your mother is my best friend who lives in Montreal. She says, let's phone her. So she phones this woman and she says, I think your son is standing in front of me. And Frank is saying to this woman, you're crazy. My mother was killed in the genocide. I'm an orphan. This woman is saying, no, I think your mother's in Montreal. She passes the phone to Frank and they end up having this conversation. Things start to align and they realize that in fact, Frank's mother is living in Montreal. Interestingly, Marie-Jeanne left Rwanda as a refugee with her two daughters, having lost her husband in the genocide, believing she'd lost her infant child also in the genocide, only to discover 22 years later that he's actually living and doing well, has his own home, has a business. The interesting thing is, is that as Frank and I were discussing, what did it take to actually bring you two together again? And he starts talking about his life on the streets and how difficult it was and how landing in prison and then eventually being taken to rehab and learning a vocation and and then somehow being placed in our home. And then we believe in providing holistic support, which includes, um, because it's such a faith-based community, Rwanda, helping them to get connected with churches or mosques or whomever, whichever group that they feel they need to be connected with. Living with us, going to this church, this woman just saying, you look like my best friend. It's astonishing. How is this possible that these connections were made? And so now we're in the process of working with the UNHCR. Our friends there are amazing. Opening a file for him so he can actually also get refugee status and be reunited with his mother. Like how encouraging is that? To know that just we played just a tiny little piece in somehow making that connection. This is a dream of every genocide survivor. That they would be reconnected with their mother. This is a story that so many Rwandese wish were was their own. So many young people that I know in Rwanda walk down the streets and they see someone. That's my mother. Oh, no, it's not. Because they never really knew what happened to family. So not only is this an extraordinary story for Frank and for his mother, he's the only son in that family. He's the only one who will carry on that family name. But it's also a story of hope for every other Rwandese who has lost their mother in the genocide or who thinks they've lost their mother in the genocide. Family is so, so vitally important. And I think it's, I don't think we understand that until we've lost family. Our thanks to Glenda and Ralph Dubiensky for sharing these stories of hope. When we come back after this short break, a miracle that's growing, literally, on once dry, barren land in Ethiopia. This is The Strong Room. 